at your throat like chloroseptic. It's the Going Out Podcast with Rap Critic and Muse. Yo, dude, how are you doing? New Black Eyed Peas single out of goddamn nowhere. Yeah, we got a, We got an Eminem uh, remix. I didn't know if you had seen that Bruno Mars and Cardi B. Yeah, I did. I did. Oh my god, I love that fucking video. For any fans of In Living Color, that, that fucking video, I did not expect the rooftop. Like, I'd, I'd seen them, like, playing yeah. with the paints. And I was like, that's... That, that reminds me of something. And then when they fucking show up on the on the rooftop, I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> it was even filmed as with, like, a different, like, uh, frame rate that, like, looked like TV. Uh-huh. Oh, it was so fucking cool. Fucking Car- uh, Cardi B. Fucking within a year's time already on a song with Bruno. <laughs> yeah, dude. Okay, so... You know what? what's very interesting about that show? Mm. I'm not sure if I ever mentioned it on the podcast before, but uh, In Living Color is the first television show, like primetime television show, to have a rap song as the theme. Oh, yeah. I guess that does make sense. Yeah. And, and it was like, you know, this is the first time we're bringing, like, you know, what's going on in the black neighborhood to your television screen. And another touch that I, I had noticed but I'd never really thought about before is the fact that what does the set look like? It looks like the rooftop of a project. And so I was like, wow, I never even just thought about that little touch before, you know? Man, remember when Fox was cutting edge? Dude, remember when Fox was cutting edge, but then, like, automatically just started shitting on their own television shows? Like, what the hell? Like, no show could last too long. Yeah, and and, and the shows that did lasted way too long. <laughs> <laughs> like... If you're fucking thinking early 90s Fox, when it was like Fox was changing the game, edgy and different the programming was, like... Married with Children. Married with Children redefined what, like, a family sitcom was, (laughs) and The Simpsons did right along with it, but what The Simpsons did early on, and I'd watched a video on it, it broke it down really well about why The Simpsons was so different for the time, it was, like, straight up parodying the typical family sitcoms were up until that point on the other networks and the ones you're used to like your leave it to beaver type style like uh, it's all very clean cut the issues are always very family oriented they're never too out there but then because it started out being counterculture because the simpsons got so big it became the culture so then it was like well shit what are we going to make fun of I guess let's make fun of other shows on Fox until they get canceled. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, what the hell is this? It was fucking cannibalistic. And In Living Color was right there with it. You had this show that was very, like, you know, Afrocentric. But, you know, you also had a couple of white guys on the show as well. Like, it's not like it was just a black person show. Over time, you know, they, they were doing uh, lots of skits that were considered controversial. And, you know, they were always kind of at odds with the censors and Fox mm. and things of that nature. So one season, uh, one of the later seasons, all of the Waynes left at the same time. Yeah, I remember that. I noticed that. And there was a mid-season, like, replacement. And it was like, it was like 90% white people and Chris Rock. And it was just like, what the fuck? And then, like, after that, that show got canceled on Fox. And what happened next was the show House of Buggin', which was John Leguizamo's show. And, you know, people were kind of digging that. But, like, not even one season in, 
Here come the uh, the higher ups. How about you add more white people to the uh, to the show? And John was, I was like, no, I'm not gonna add more white people to the show. The, the show's exactly the way I want it. And then uh, so they're like, all right, one season, we're not even gonna deal with your shit. They canceled that show. And then you have Mad TV the very next year, and you look at the cast. It's like seven white people and like two black people. Fox finally got what they wanted, I guess. Yeah, exactly. It was like, eh, just really subtle notes. Yeah. Just getting it adjusted slightly. It's like, I like the rap song as the, uh, as the, as the theme song. That's cool. That, that's hip. Mm -hmm. But can we have less black people in it? Like, I'm even watching the, uh, the fifth season intro. I forget how many seasons there were of, um, of, uh, In Living Color, but... This is I think one, it was five. Yeah, this is very later on. The fucking first name that comes up is Carrie. It's like, I get it. He's a real fi- big fuck name. He's probably been in a couple movies by now. But, man, that, that's a fucking really... That's an odd choice to have a show called In Living Color and the first face you fucking see is a white guy. And, of course, they have to put forward the guy who's like, Ah, oh, here's our most popular guy, though. Right now, anyway, since all the other ones are gone. He he did movies beforehand, but they weren't, like, really big movies, like Earth Girls are Easy. Oh, you know? yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, but he wasn't, like, popping like that. Mm-mm. And then he went on Living Color, fucking everybody loved him. And then it was, like, right after he went off of that show, it was, like, three big movies he did. Yeah, he had fucking, he had Ace Ventura, The Mask... Ace Ventura 2, fucking Dumb and Dumber, all in the span of, like, four years. Did you see the documentary, uh, Jim and Andy? It's an interesting watch, dude. Uh, What's it about? It's about the movie Man on the Moon, where Jim Carrey played Uh, uh, Andy Kaufman. Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah. And what happened was, during the production, Carrey and his folks walking around him filmed a lot of the production of the movie, like the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but Uh they hadn't released it for 20 years. Like, either they were told not to, or they just decided not to. And basically what you see in the footage is that Jim Carrey, during the production of the movie, just wasn't himself ever. Uh He was just Andy Kaufman or Tony Clifton off-camera the entire production to the point where, like, People, like, the director even was, like, begging him to be like, can, can I please just talk to Jim? <laughs> like, we need to film this scene, and he's just off doing his own thing, and it's such a bizarre thing, and it's, like, a, a glimpse into, like, like the mental illness that you don't really know is there because it's not talked about that much, but, like, yeah, yeah. at the end of the movie, he says, yeah, so we finished Man on the Moon, and I went and did the press, and everything, and it just hit me like a wave of, oh, now I have to be Jim Carrey again. And the depression came back, like, immediately. Because he looked at Andy Kaufman as, like, a vacation. Oh, wow. Because he got to be a different person for a while. And it was like, that fucking movie is really eye-opening. And how, I don't know, just how how he doesn't seem to have a problem talking about it. Like, it's just very matter-of-fact for him. Yeah, it's weird how it just, it's like, oh yeah, I was a horrible person. And I had to come back to the fact that, oh no, I'm me again, and I hate being me. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's really it's a really interesting watch, uh, for those who haven't seen it. It shows, uh, <laughs> there was one part in it where, um, because in the 70s, him and uh, Jerry Lawler from uh, WWE, 
uh, had a small feud back when Lawler was the uh, the king of Memphis, and uh, they actually brought Jerry to be in the movie to play himself. And the whole time behind the scenes, uh, Jim was being such an obnoxious douche, pissing off uh, Jerry Lawler, to where they got to a scene where Lawler was supposed to smack Andy out of a chair. They were supposed to do a, sh- a uh, work smack, but right before the fucking cameras go on, Jim's like, no, 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 hit hit me for real. And he's like, what? what? Okay. And he just fucking lays him out. And they have the footage from, like, the behind-the-scenes footage of him smacking him so goddamn hard he flies out of his chair. And to know it's a real smack is like, goddamn. And you know it was so much of the frustration of having to work with him that all of it just came out in that one smack. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Uh, I, I definitely recommend it. It's a great watch. So, yeah, that, that chloroseptic verse, bro. What'd you think? All right, f- first of all, let's show some love to 2 chains. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I was like, J- Jesus, man. You know, 2 chains for the past probably two years, coincidentally enough, has been slowly, like, proving his how capable he is. You know, yeah, like, when he doesn't yeah. have to do goofy radio shit. Like, uh-huh. every time I hear him do a guest verse on something, it's always great. You know, it's like, I'm never disappointed. It's not like his brand on the line. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And it's a remix, so it's not even necessarily like it's probably not going to see radio play. It's not on an album. There isn't nearly as much uh, at risk. So, yeah, you would send me that. I, I was seeing comments for the Chloroseptic remix in last week's episode, and I didn't even think to check it out until you had uh, sent it to me. So that was the first time I had heard it. Uh, so it's... Two chains. How do you pronounce the other fellow's name? I think it's just Fresher. Oh, okay, Fresher. Uh, yeah, I wasn't too familiar with who that was, but his part of the song wasn't too bad either. Mm. Um, and honestly, I'm not even I'm not even trashing Eminem's part, but if it was just the other two, that would have been a fine song, even without Eminem. And then it's like when that when that second verse ends and it comes to the chorus, you're like. Oh shit! There's another verse coming. Like, <laughs> you feel like you feel like a kid. Like, is like there's another present? What? Yeah, exactly. You know? There was one behind the tree you must not have yeah. seen yet. <laughs> yeah. So then Eminem pops on the scene, and he does his verse. And the reason it's getting a lot of press here uh, is because he's taking some shots at the critics of uh, revival. That's where, for me, uh, things kind of start to fall apart. Oh, oh, do they now? Uh, I thought that was petty as shit. Ah. Uh. Like, the verse wasn't bad. If he didn't fucking take the time to do all that shit, though, I would have liked it a whole lot better. Because we're, go- we're going from... I mean, you know what? Honestly, this isn't, this isn't too much of a surprise. Because what the fuck was Eminem doing? Fucking picking fights with NSYNC. And fucking Britney Spears and shit. I, I will completely agree. I feel like for someone who's one of the best rappers of all time, his targets were obviously people who weren't going to be able to match his, like, lyrical or mental intellect. Like, fucking Mariah Britney Carey. Spears, insane clown posse. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like he was beefing with Ice Cube or Master Ace or... No, he was beefing with fucking... 
uh, Fred Durst. Like, Fred Durst, Kid Rock. Yeah, like, these guys literally aren't on your level, and we all know they aren't. Like, and so, like, I feel like I'm the crazy one. It's like, do, do you guys not see that you guys are not going to be able to take him? Like, <laughs> I know he just dissed Ja Rule. When was that? Well, that, because remember he said, uh, Ja Rule, they played that line at the beginning of the song, it's like, uh, Kim is a whore, and... And your mom is a known slut, so what you think Haley's gonna be when she grows up? Oh. Mm. And that was the line that just had, like, Eminem's eyebrows raised, just like, oh, you want some, too? <laughs> <laughs> See, I-, I wanted to bring this up, and I think we might have even talked about this before. Is Party Up by DMX, like, the most successful diss track of all time? Because that song still gets radio play, and in contexts that people treat it like it isn't about murdering someone. Like, it gets played in fucking party mixes and, like, afternoon DJ mixes on, like, FM stations and throwback Friday mixes on, like, pop stations. But meanwhile, it's fucking, you know, how you gonna breathe with a hole in your chest? And fucking, who's gonna find you some old men fishing and all that shit? <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah. This is like a multiverse, violent as shit, diss to unmistakably Eminem. Like, he makes wait, multiple wait, whoa, references. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Why do you think this is a diss track to Eminem? Doesn't he say straight up, watch what you say, Slim? Oh, that's why you thought that. No, no, like, that's just like a, that's a thing people say sometimes. Ah, uh, okay. Like, okay. interchangeable with, like, boy or punk. Just, watch what you say, Slim. I was pretty sure because he was making some pretty... Specific! Yeah! <laughs> like, why would you bring up someone's mom and someone's girl if, if, you, if you didn't have something personal with them? So yeah, I thought he was talking about, because Eminem would always talk about fucking Cam and his mom, so I thought he was talking about that shit. But, okay, Dude, yeah. I have literally never heard that theory before. Really? Yeah. Damn, okay. <laughs> That's interesting that you interpreted it that way, but I think it's because you heard the word slim and you were like, Oh, well, if, so- if someone is rapping and they're saying Slim, they gotta be talking about Eminem. And I, I just also, like, the time period made sense yeah, yeah. in my head. Dude, you have no idea. I thought that was the case for almost as long as that song's been out. No, like, that that happens, uh, yeah, when someone says, oh, you know what it was? Uh, Many Men by 50 Cent. Oh, okay. Remember in that song when, uh, uh, yeah, he says, I'm like Polly and Goodfellas, you can call me the Don. Like Malcolm, by any means, with my gun on my palm. Slim, switch sides on me. Let niggas ride on me. I thought we was cool. Why'd you, why you want me to die, homie? And some people speculated mm. that it was like, whoa, wait, did Slim Shady, like, snitch on him or something? I guess, I, I, I guess it's like, that's kind of on me, because, like, Eminem doesn't go around calling himself Slim Shady usually. Like, that's a character, right? Yeah. So, I guess unless people specifically say M or M&M, then they're probably not talking about him, I guess. But I'm not him. I used to listen to watch what you do. I, I just never thought about the idea. Wait a minute. Uh, Hold on a minute. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Okay, so I'm going to look up the Genius Annotation. Okay. This line relates to some controversy among hip-hop listeners, particularly because of the term slim. It's often interpreted... As this Eminem, who has an alter, de- alter ego named Slim Shady. All right. You got to think about it, it actually makes sense, because, and then there was X was released in 99, 
the year when Eminem was at the top of the music industry with its classic hip-hop album, Slim Shady LP. As far as dissing content goes, it's possible to understand that DMX and Eminem had a curious relationship, often remembered by radio freestyles and obscure interpretations of suspicious lyrics. The most clear sign that this subliminal beef actually happened may be the wordplay freestyle. Uh, rappers know that I'm the same. They don't want to step to this. They don't feel the pain. Like DMX, what you gonna think? That he's gonna step to this now? Urgh. Yo, you don't uh, you don't think you want to fuck with this now. That's... Hmm. I can interpret that as a beef, though. If someone's just imitating someone's voice, that's not necessarily disrespect. You know what I'm no. saying? No. Like, Akumi is just like, oh, I'm just shouting out this guy's style. Because, <laughs> as far as I'm seeing here, like, no one's saying a reason why they don't like each other. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, oh, in 1997, you know, so-and-so stepped on his shoes and he didn't apologize. Like, you know, there's nothing like that. It's just like, oh, could this be a diss track? And there's literally, like, there's no interview saying, like, hey, do you have a problem with him? And, you know, DMX saying something like, oh, man, you know, he just need to watch his mouth sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Back to chloroseptic, which is why I brought up, you know, how Eminem can pick fights with undeserving uh, targets. I think it's really strange to hear Eminem straight up in a song get Diss the uh, critics? Diss? No, diss not not critics. He, he, I mean, he always does that. No, 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 he wasn't dissing critics, though. In this one, he straight up is talking about, like, you and your reaction videos. Like, he's just talking about fucking nobodies on YouTube. But think about it. Uh, maybe. But think about it. He used to he used to say, uh, "Just bend over and take it like a slut, okay, ma?" Oh, now he's raping his own mother, abusing a horse, snorting coke, and getting the Rolling Stones cover. That's what critics were saying about him. Oh my God, this guy's such a shitty person. Why are people giving him so much yeah, praise? But that's a part. That's not a whole fucking section of your remix. Like he does, he takes his time with that, and he sounds like he was straight up just complaining. Like, mm. oh come on, and it's like, dude. Hey, first of all, this was weeks ago. It feels like, you know, maybe let it go. Um, or, you know, I don't know, like, like he he's mentioning very specific things. Like, he's talking about, uh, oh, you thought you thought this uh, song sucked, and you thought this song sucked. Well, because no, he's, like I said, he's done that before, too. Where he said, oh, people are complaining about this verse, and the last verse, and whatever. I, I don't remember him specifically saying shit like that. Well, why does he need to do it at all? Like, ever. Why did he ever need to do it? Especially because people consider him to be one of the best. Like, why does he need to take the time to... At, at this point, I don't think he's talking about critics in the way of people in fucking magazines and people. He, like, it, it that he was talking about people like us on our show. Like, mm. his verse sounded like he fucking listened to Kill Bill and I <laughs> talking about his fucking album and was like, oh yeah, you didn't like this? Well, fuck you. <laughs> and it's like, I saw one person made a good point where the things he was complaining about as far as critics getting on his case was about overreacting to the set list. Yeah. The features and all that. It's like, no, no, no. Why were there no references in that song or lines referring to like what we were talking about, the fucking dad jokes, or in my yeah, opinion, yeah. the shitty production. He fucking took a, oh yeah, well, the, the, the problems you have with the album are with everyone else but me. It's like, no, 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 no. My problem was with you. I said, I, said, I said on the podcast, when I saw the track list, my mind didn't immediately go to, 
oh god, this is gonna fucking suck, isn't it? Like, I didn't go into the album wanting to hate it. When I, even when I saw fucking X Ambassadors, I didn't think like, oh, fuck that song. It just happened to not be that great, in my opinion. But most of my complaints were with him. I didn't even mind the features that much. It was with the, why is his voice so much louder than the music? Like, uh-huh. it was, like, twice as loud. Yeah, and here's, here's my thing. I think what he was doing was looking at what a lot of... And here's the thing that happens. With a lot of criticism, I, I assume, like, especially when you're when you're taking... Like, when you are the artist who made the thing, and someone's criticizing you, you take the harsher stuff to heart, right? Or you look at the stuff that's easier to combat, and you go, well... And also, you know... The people saying, uh, oh, I looked at the track listing and I thought it was whack. Dude, how many people on Twitter posted that shit and were like, oh, because this person was featured on there, it was whack. The problem is, it's like, there are critics out there who had valid criticisms. The problem is, a lot of people fucking don't have valid criticisms. And it's a shame that that gets heard the loudest sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, whereas, yes, there are valid criticisms that people would have with the album that they want to tell you, the thing that people are, the thing that he is hearing the most is the shit that's like, okay, come on, like, at least listen to the fucking album before you complain. And so the people who are like, oh, I just looked at the track listing, and I'm like, this is going to be the worst album ever, 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 which, you know, as an artist, it's just like, dude, you got, you're already tainting people to, you know, the shit before you even hear it, you know what I mean? But, you know, I, I mean, we're all, we all fall victim to that in a way. Like, when you see an artist's name, you're like, okay, I don't expect that person to be working with them. But, you know, I'm usually the type of person who's like, but let's see what happens. You know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, there was actually an article on Hip Hop DX that pointed out, like, the, uh, the dissonances with, uh, people's complaints versus the things that he brought up, right? Mm. Eminem's chloroseptic remix lyrics proves he's naive. He's naive to valid criticism, which which seems very, I don't know, <laughs> the, the way that, the way that it's said it's like I don't expect, I don't know. Most hip hop articles aren't titled like that, like naive to valid criticism, like, like it, you know. Yeah, and like just going back to it, I don't, I, I don't look at it that way. Like a lot of these people are taking the response or taking the stance that it's a reaction to, like, established folks. And for me, it didn't feel that way. So when people talk about valid criticism, like, it didn't feel like him taking on, like, like fucking Joe Budden. Did you see the video Joe Budden made with with his fucking uh, rant about, um... I think I did. What was the name of that song? Uh, Untouchable. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, I did, I did. They played just a few seconds of it, and fucking Joe Budden just immediately just goes, it's trash, it's fucking trash, and he laid into it. He he was saying, like, Eminem has no business as a white man profiting and selling records off uh, the suffering of black people, and he went in, and he was like, I love M, he's a great friend of mine, so this comes from the heart, this is garbage. Like, where's the response to that? I have to, uh, and why I agree with what you're saying here, I, I do have to disagree with what he's saying. Like, oh, because he's a white guy, he can't make an anti-police song? Like, that seems really ignorant. Because we all know, like, the more white people talk about a situation that concerns a minority, right. 
the more people are going to talk about it because the people who need to be talking about it are the people who have the power to perpetuate it. And so this is like, for you to just be off top being like, oh, you shouldn't be making a song about police brutality at all or, or what black people go through at all. It's just like, what? That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. The only small argument I would make to that is going back to something we didn't even talk about on the show last week, fucking Logan Paul. Like, oh, like yeah. you can do a video and yeah. you, you can go to the forest, you can see that, right? You could you could joke, you could do whatever you want to do, right? He didn't have to post it online. Eminem can make a song. That's not the argument that um that Joe Budden has. It's the fact that he put it on an album and he's selling copies off what? the okay, sufferings whoa, whoa, that he's making on, the money. On. So you mean to tell me Joe Budden has never made a song about a serious social issue and and put it on his album? Oh, anytime anyone makes a song about a social issue, if you are trying to get any profit from it, oh, now you're a bad person? All right, well, go back to fucking every artist that's ever made a song about... Go back to fucking Beds Are Burning by whatever fucking group, the Australian group that made that and said, ah, oh, you're trying to profit off of the Aborigines' pain, so you can't make that song anymore. Come on, that's ridiculous. First of all, Midnight Oil. Second of all... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, Joe Budden can make songs about things that are affecting his community. His his argument was that Eminem isn't directly being affected as a white person. Oh, okay, so, and that's why he shouldn't make a song about it. That's why he shouldn't make a song on an album and sell copies and make money off of it. He's looking at it as a sense of Eminem is profiting off of this stance, which I guess if he thought, if he put it on SoundCloud or put it on fucking Spotify or whatever for free or whatever, that he wouldn't have much of an issue with it. I think that was his main takeaway. That's absolutely ridiculous. Like, you should be making music, but if it's about something important, you shouldn't be trying to profit off of it in any capacity whatsoever. So if you ever, so hey, uh, uh, guys who made the message back in 1982, oh, you were trying to make a serious song off. Well, you didn't do donate all of your money to, you know, the rec center in your local neighborhood. So you're an idiot for making that song. That's a ridiculous argument. That's oh. not a proper argument because you made any profit off of it or because you put a song that's important that could be seen as important or have a serious topic on your album instead of putting it for free on SoundCloud, <laughs> which is not even the type of thing that Eminem does. <laughs> oh, he's a bad person. That's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I will say it was probably because he just hated the song and he just kind of started that, building. See, that's like, yeah, I was like, if you just hate the song, just say that. Don't try to come up with like other things that are like, you know what I mean? Like, While I'm because, thinking about it, this yeah, is another exactly. reason. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, like you don't like the song because of the beat or because you felt like the um, the flow was out of whack. Then it's like that's cool, but it's like, but that doesn't justify any other reason that doesn't that you can't back up with actual reasoning for. You know, I do think Eminem has a point though, where he says like the thing it is, I'm considered such a great rapper. The only thing I'm being compared to is me, and so like. You know, I always, like, he says, uh, I have to take my best rhymes, which I put out on my last album, and then I have to be like, alright, now I have to be better than that, because people are gonna say, oh, well, you had better rhymes back here, and I think that's what makes him overcompensate, you know what I'm saying? Because he has to be like, oh, well, I gotta throw a pun in here, I gotta throw a pun in there, you know what I'm saying? That's one way to react, is that people are comparing it, 
to himself, which I'm sure some people are. And even Bill and I might have once or twice in the review, we, we probably did um, be like, hey, you know, compared to old Eminem, you know, this isn't this or this is different or whatever. But we did have just criticisms it on its own, like just not even comparing it to anything else, except maybe the Brockhampton album subconsciously because we listened to both of them that same yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. But we were comparing it to another artist in that regard. M's verse embodies exactly what exhausted fans and writers on Revival. It's technically brilliant and stocked with clever metaphors, but his angry delivery and hyperactive flow disregard the beat, creating a jarring musical experience. That's actually quite possibly the best sum up of what people's issues with the album was, right? Yeah, like I would disagree that my my main issue was the was what he was saying. Like I, I the exact opposite of what that review is actually saying mine was was like the rhymes and the uh, and the punchlines was what I had a problem with. Hmm. But uh but it, like like you could make the argument, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um but later on, he, they say something that was kind of weird. Like he says, uh, he says, uh, though Eminem decried the mixed reactions to Walk on Water, there are still plenty of stands who enjoy playing in puddles with that joint playing in the background. Like, what the fuck was that? That's some what? really shitty writing, is what that is. Like, <laughs> what? Why you gotta come up like the fan a fan base like that? Like, that's not even. Eminem's fa- like is Eminem's music mainly supposed to be for teens at this point? <laughs> I don't know. I've always personally referred to, to Eminem as kind of like a entry level rapper to be a fan of, just because he's like so accessible name wise, and he's such a popular person that I think most people kind of start with Eminem. And then, or at least most white people do, because, you know, obvious reason. And then just kind of, you know, work their way from there. Um, that he probably is more popular with younger people, or at least people who are nostalgic for the 90s. But I feel like that's not, like, the main fan base of Eminem at this point. No, like, I, I, think, I would agree. Yeah, because, it's like, most of his fan base became his fan base in the 90s, they're obviously not playing in puddles. They're not five at this point, <laughs> 20 fucking years later. Like, that just feels like a, a, a bad joke on a fan base for the sake of a bad joke on a fan base. Yeah, I think that was just their attempt at wordplay that just fell flat. Oh, oh, and then they make this point. He says, he goes on to rhyme, but am I supposed to sound like everything else out because I don't get compared to it, only myself now? And I can see the fair weather fans and sales down, but the only way I care is if I let myself down. And he says, the very fact that he responded with this fiery cut proves he absolutely cares about the response to this album. <laughs> this week on the Going Off Podcast, we are talking about Eferize by Cupcake, the self-released 2018 full-length studio album, highly anticipated uh, follow-up to the 2017 uh, Queen Elizabeth, which I had listened to been looking forward to this album uh ever since so darren what did you think of uh eferize um i uh i went into it thinking that it was gonna be mostly the sort of sex jams i was like all right you know this is sort of like a modern look him in a way and yeah yeah 
And it definitely satisfies. They're they're definitely on here. <laughs> <laughs> and and when they are, like, I actually really, I actually really like them. So, an interesting thing about uh, a female MC being very sexual is that it's not a necessarily uncommon thing. Uh, but with her, she's the type of artist that is like she takes it so far that it's enjoyable for me. It's kind of like, it's the same sort of pop that I get out of, like, Eminem. Like, yeah, yeah, lots of rappers have songs about, you know, violence. But he takes it to such a ridiculous degree that you can't help but enjoy it. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And so that that's sort of her pull. But uh, she's got a lot more going for her than just that. Um, in fact, the very first song is about her inspiring other people, but, you know, at the same time questioning whether or not they really care about her you know yeah like whether or not they're just trying to get you know what they can get out of her and then be out and then be out and then she's left with no one when she's really you know when she really needs someone you know Mm. uh so i thought that was tight yeah the cartoons which is the first song that really highlighted um my bit of a thing that i have with some of the songs is that the choruses feel a little uncreative I had thought that same thing, and Cartoons uh, wasn't the first single. The first single was Exit, but Cartoons had a had a uh, full-length music video that I remember seeing, and people were really excited for it. Um, the, the deal with Cartoons is there's an ongoing theme throughout where she makes references and name drops cartoon characters throughout, and I like the chorus because it does all this wordplay working in all these different uh, character names, but it gets repeated a lot. And I noticed that that's a thing throughout the album. And while I liked the chorus on cartoons personally, there were other songs, yeah, where I felt like the choruses were just like the weakest part of the tracks. Yeah, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah, that one comes to mind. Yeah, I got bitches wanting to box me like I'm Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Like, that's just such a vague, generic... They want to box me like, in general, a type of cereal. Like, like, okay, but why this specific one, you know? That's a line you could put in the middle of a verse, and it would be fine. But you can't repeat it over and over again as a chorus. That doesn't work. Yeah, you you know what it is? It's like... Sometimes what people like to do is take a punchline they wrote and just make that the uh, the chorus. And this is like, that works sometimes, but yeah, like in this instance, it doesn't work. Like it, she says, I just pull up and I spray up like I'm a Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Like, what does that mean? Like, no one sprays Cinnamon Toast Crunch. There is a lot on this album that's like that, where it's just like kind of the, uh, the Aesop Rock uh, issue that we, that we were talking about how it's like a lot of this doesn't exactly make sense to me right now but <laughs> like I guess it did at the moment or it did to her but it's lost on me you know <laughs> another chorus that I wasn't a fan of was in Total yeah the Total 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 yeah where she just repeats Total a lot to the point where it sounds like she's saying Turtle yes <laughs> I, I was I like when I wasn't looking at it, I wasn't sure what she was even saying until I was like, "Oh, oh okay, I see." <laughs> um, 
Yeah, a lot of these are just kind of repeated. Like uh, post pick repeats a lot. Uh, meet and greet, single while taken. Uh, duck duck goose is duck duck goose a lot. Uh, that one line was good though. Sloppy toppy for poppy, leave sloppy Joe shook. I only call you Captain because your dick is off the hook. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she does have really good punchlines. Uh, very witty uh, on this album. Uh, that was something I noticed on um, on the last album. And I was excited yeah, the, that uh, I was pleased to see that this album wasn't uh, had no shortage of those witty uh, punchlines. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, she's a clever rapper, most definitely. And the fact that she makes her stuff mainly sexual is probably what throws people off. But it's just like, it's like, like, like I said, she's kind of she literally reminds me of sort of like Lil Kim from back in the day. You know what I'm saying? And that's not to say, like, oh, she's not unique in her own way, because she is. She has a definite unique cadence and affectations that makes her stick out. You know what I'm saying? There is a precedence for someone being lyrically good and also being able to, you know, put sexuality in their raps. You know what I'm saying? Right. What I would say with with female rappers that it's a natural progression that, that we would get to this point, because... Even, like, after Lil' Kim, like, Nicki Minaj and Cardi B most recently, they aren't afraid. They don't shy away from making their songs sexual at times, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like you had mentioned before, uh, Cupcake has a way of being extremely descriptive in a way that would probably gross people out, um turn people off to it like it's a little too too crude for most i'd assume and that's probably where why it would turn people off but i think if people are so willing to embrace cardi b and all of this i think that people would just kind of see cupcake as just being you know the next step in the evolution of this yeah. and, and i think most people like i think the fact that she is a female spitting raunchy raps gives a point against her in some respects because, like, so many people are saying the exact type of shit she's saying, but they wouldn't get nearly as dissed, you know, because uh, because it's a guy saying it, you know what I'm saying? Like, people just don't think about it as presently because we expect a guy to be rapping about sexual shit, you know? I, I do wonder, because I've mentioned on the show before that I'm not a fan of the sex rap songs, usually, uh, like like from from the fellas. Um, it's usually a bunch of bragging, um, not so much about the actual sex and when it is, it's like, I don't care to hear about what you're doing or who you're doing, you know, it's like, I don't really care too much about that. Those aren't the songs I really like. So I wonder if it's a double standard that I enjoy them. Is it because it's like, I'm just not used to it. Do you do you think it's the opposite that you enjoy this because it's not from the typical perspective? It might be, and I think it might also be because like I had said before that she goes that one step further. You know, she's not afraid to make things gross, be fucking nasty with the lyrics, you know. Dudes usually aren't. Like they're very they've they tend to keep it safe even if the issue in the topic itself is kind of taboo or whatever. It's usually very limited. But Cupcake does go out there. and As far as, like, description. Exactly, yeah. So I think it's more creative, and I think that's probably why uh, why I enjoy it more. The only problem, though, 
with that is that a lot of the songs and a lot of the punchlines and that that gross out factor does kind of have a shock value to it. And mm-hmm. for me, I've noticed that the shock value does make up a lot of the points. It's a really big factor in what makes the album. And I mm-hmm. don't know how much replayability the album has. Like, I listened to it once the whole way through, and I really dug it. The second time around, though, I wasn't digging it as much. And I don't know if it was because, like, I already knew what to expect, and that element of the surprise wasn't there anymore. Um, but I think I think some of them, like, when you do have a lot of songs that are about sex, like, they're not all about sex. They actually do cover a... Uh, a few different topics here. Yeah, yeah, because actually she has the one song about, you know, uh, the exit, about uh, leaving her boyfriend behind. Yeah. She actually has uh, uh, the crux of the album, which is self-interview, mm. a song that questions her desire to be seen as sexual. Like right. She's like, why do I like this? Why do I want to fuck a dude as soon as I fucking meet him? You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, you know, typically her lyrics would be like, hey, don't judge someone because of their sexuality and things like that. But, you know, this song was basically the same, her sort of looking at her psychology and being like, wait a minute, but am I just doing this so I don't have to think about, you know, how my behavior may be destructive? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there even is the song Crayons, which we haven't got to that yet, but that is all about, um, oh, you yeah. know, uh, l- like who you like, fuck who you like fuck the world mm-hmm. like the world like fuck everyone else like that 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 song was all about the you know the individuality and the embracing your own sexuality regardless yeah, yeah. of what it is but the point i was going to make was that for me personally the sex songs do tend to run together a little bit mm. like parts on duck duck goose you know i might get those confused yeah. with the other track spoiled milk titties you know, it's ah, like that. You know, that song does not uh, turn out to be about what you think it's going to be about. No, <laughs> no. It was like spoiled milk to me. I was like, "What is this song possibly going to be? Is it going to be about like literally? Yo, it's like a story rap about this bitch with spoiled milk to Like, is this re- is that really what's going to happen? But no, it's just sort of like okay, this is sort of like you know, a se- a, the sex song or a typical wheelhouse. But just, like, near the end, it's like, just suck on my titties till they're spoiled like milk or something like that. I like that because it's a fucking self-release. It's just that. Like, it's just straight up called that. Yeah. You know, if it was any other, like, on an album, it would be SMT. You know? It'd yeah, have, have yeah. the abbreviation. It says, I like to keep these titties out that spoiled milk. Oh, like like you leave a milk carton out, yeah, see, it would spoil. That seems kind of relatively like un. Uh, what's what's the word? It's it's a little underwhelming compared to what I thought a reference to spoiled milk titties would be. Yeah. Like, oh, you just mean that your breasts are out? Like that's it? You didn't mean like oh, you know. Suck on my titties till it's like spoiled milk or some shit like that. You're just, <laughs> In general, I don't have my bra on. I was just like, I'm not sure. Just not having a bra on 
should garner the the phrase and imagery of something like spoiled milk titties that feels kind of insulting to your boobs <laughs> you know what i'm saying it does go back to the it was a good line do you have to name the song that you know yeah. it's, it's like before like that's a good line does it have to be the whole chorus <laughs> uh, yeah yeah she gives us enough variation of topics that it's not just the sex raps as as one might expect Right. You know what I'm saying? It is very unique. I will give her that. There's there's something that I criticize a lot of rappers for is that they don't show enough of their personality. I cannot say that about this album. This album is full of personality. You get to know a lot about this, either this character or how she just fucking lives her life. And that's just how she is. You know, it's like this is a very in your face, unapologetic, straight up. But she's got her own style, you know? Like, I can't say that she sounds like anyone. Overall, what would you give it? I would give this album a four overall. Um, despite what I said before about, you know, eh, it doesn't have the replayability. I would say enough of the songs on the album do. Um, and they are really enjoyable. Like, um, uh... Fucking Exit's a great song. Self-Interview, that uh, that self-reflection song, I really dig that one. I, I dig Cartoons, Two Minutes. Uh, Crayons is great. Yeah, overall, I would say a four. Yeah, I would actually say uh, four, four as well, you know? Yeah. I was going to give it higher, but, you know, your po- your points are valid. And, like, with the chorus, it, it, it can take away a lot for some people. Yeah, it's like, would I recommend this to people? Yeah, Probably not everyone, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... <laughs> it, it's like that, uh... It's like when they say, you know, would you recommend this this movie? It's like, yeah, but, you know, don't take your grandma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not to my mother. <laughs> yeah, it's like... This, this album absolutely isn't for everyone. But yeah. I think what's great about the album is that there are people out there who... Or have been probably waiting for an album like this that yeah. says the things this album does, and it's so, it's so out there and in your face that so, you know what? Actually, I'll say like for the type of for the audience that that has been waiting for content to be this type of content and to be really good, you know, I, I'll actually give it the four and a half. That does it for this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. If this is the first time you've heard our show, all of our old episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search Goin, that's G-O-I-N apostrophe off podcast. Uh, Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, check us out on Patreon, and until next week for the aforementioned Going Off Podcast I'm Muse. And I'm the rap critic. (laughs) I couldn't, I literally couldn't think of anything and I just happened to burp at that time. (laughs) Should I do something else? No! I'm using that. (laughs) Even if you do say something else, I'm not using it.